back in April of uh, 1992, <laughs> a college-educated young man from a well-to-do family hitchhiked to Alaska. And then he walked into the wilderness all by himself, all alone. Walked into the wilderness just north of Mount McKinley. His given name was Christopher Johnson McCandless, although by that time he was now going by his made-up name, Alexander Supertramp. <laughs> He'd given away $25,000 in savings to charity. He had abandoned his car and most of his possessions, and he had burned all of the cash that was in his wallet. Four months after he walked into that wild of Alaska, he was found dead from starvation. Some of the things McCandless took with him into the wild were a few of his favorite books. Um, apparently, the last book that he read was uh, Dr. Shivago, a book that uh, incited him to scribble excited notes in the margins and underlined several passages in that book. One of the most revealing notations he made was simply this, happiness only real when shared. Happiness only real when shared. Apparently, McCandless had learned an important lesson near the end of his solitary life. And he was ready to abandon his lonely, vagabond days and stop running so hard away from intimacy and apparently was ready to become a member of the human community again. And I think it was an important lesson. I think it's an important lesson for all of us these days. Because you and I realize that in our American society, we have been taught that happiness is the result of uh, independence, um, uh, financial independence, uh, relational independence, emotional independence. I mean, if I'm completely independent, then I'm, I'm free and I can get to do what I want to do. <laughs> and then I'll be happy. And yet we live in a world, all of us, we live in a world and society that... Uh, I think there have never been more unhappy people. Why? Well, I want to suggest it was because the truth is happiness does not come from independent, isolated existence. Nor does it come from living your life with all the barriers up and keeping people at a arm's distance. Happiness comes from interdependence. It comes from being part of a community friendships, relationships, or as Chris McCandless wrote, happiness only real when shared. <laughs> this morning, as I continue um, to make the case that we are better together, I want to start off at a little different place, okay? A little different place. I want to start off by talking about the Trinity. God, three in one. Now listen, I got to admit, I, I can't take credit uh, for these insights because I picked them up from uh, a sermon by Mike Woodley, and so I want to give him credit this morning as we begin. The Trinity, God three in one. 
back in the very first chapter of the book of the Bible, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Catch it? Three times in that verse. Three times in that one verse, that plural is used. Um, let us, our, and our. Okay? Here in the very beginning, catch this, here in the very beginning, as God is revealing to us who he is, he tells us that there is a plurality in God. God, three in one. God is relational. God is love. From all eternity, the triune God was relating. God is a community of persons. God the Father is truly uh, the Father. Jesus is Jesus. The Spirit is uh, the Spirit. Not when they're doing their own thing, but rather when they are one. <laughs> we could say it this way. God is himself when the three in one hang out together. I want to show you a little bit of this. Turn with me to John chapter 14, the Gospel of John chapter 14 this morning. Well, have you look at this passage. We're going to start in verse 8. John 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever is seen me, has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I, I, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. That's some amazing statements in there. Um, Notice that phrase that Jesus repeats uh, a couple of times here. He says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. That, that's what the early church fathers um, called uh, perichosis, a $10 word describing the interrelational dynamics of the persons of the Trinity. They not only relate, but our triune God lives as a happy, delighted community. Together. <laughs> As the old Puritan writer once said, God is in himself a sweet society. And here's the exciting part of this truth. The triune God invites you and I into that sweet society, into that uh, community to enjoy fellowship with him. <laughs> so you might say, well, uh, Sutton, what, what's that look like? Well, think of a time when you experienced a community of love. Just think of a time when you experienced that. Maybe it's a, a family uh, time when it was, uh, family was at its most healthy and, and, and loving. Maybe it's a sports team when people stopped worrying about their own egos, you know? Uh, maybe it was a, a small group where you felt cared for in spite of your brokenness. Because to experience a trinity is to experience a community. 
the year I graduated uh, from uh, Wheaton College was one of the, I got to tell you, it was one of the toughest years that I ever experienced. Um, I can still, I mean, just remember it, it clear. Uh, for a number of reasons, um, uh, but one of them was that I was completely alone for that first year out of college. I had moved to Florida to work in a church, and I, I didn't know a soul down there. Um, I would work, and I would, I would go home after work, and then I would uh, uh, do nothing. There was nobody to hang out with, n- nobody to, to be with. I was so lonely, in fact. I got to tell you, um, I, I, several times I would go to the movies all by myself. I mean, I never do that. Um, and it wasn't because I, I, I wanted to, but because I didn't have anyone to go with. Didn't know a soul. There was this family in the church, the Huss family, Jim and Linda, and their two sons, uh, Chris and Rodney. And they befriended me. Um, they invited me over to their home. Their home happened to be on a, on a lake, and they said I could come over. And anytime I wanted, they could take their boat out into the lake, or I could just sit on the beach, or I could go swimming there. Um, they had me over for family meals. I mean, it, it was this sense of, of warmth and, and, and inviting um, whenever I would go over. Their home became, for me, a second home. Uh, whenever I needed someone to talk to, I would head over to the Husses. Whenever I just needed to be around others, I would go over to the Husses. Whenever I needed to get some wise counsel, I would go over to the Husses. What I found at the Husses was this kind of a community that I, I was thirsty for. What I felt there was a little picture, I think, of what Jesus talked about here in John chapter 14. See, to be a Christian is to be invited into that type of community that we call the Trinity. In the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit live in absolute unity of love. The Father glorifies the Son, the Son gives glory to the Father, and the Spirit knows the thoughts of God and prays to God for our sake. (laughs) The Father has all authority, and yet he gives uh, that authority to the Son, and the Spirit speaks on God's authority. Meanwhile, the Son lives in absolute obedience to the Father, for the Son only does what he sees the Father doing, and the Spirit is sent in the Father, by the Father in the name of Jesus. Do, do you see that in the Trinity, there's no jealousy? There's no politics? There's no power plays? One of the reasons that we find the Trinity so difficult I think for us to comprehend and really to understand is because uh, we constantly live in such broken relationships that it's hard for us to imagine a community where there's just uh, constant joy and uh, creativity and, uh, and each person pouring himself out for the others. You put it this way, God is a party <laughs> and you're invited to it. I mean, listen to the invitation from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us 
the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Friends, I got to tell you, the door has been opened. The debt has been paid. The party of love, I mean, it is going on. The table has been set for you in a community of love. The triune God, three in one, stand ready to embrace you. I don't know where you are in your faith journey. But the invitation is, come, be reconciled to God. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That can begin this morning, in fact. Right now, you can call on the name of the triune God who stands ready to receive you. Listen, that's where it starts, but it doesn't end there. The triune God has not only made us to be in community with him, (laughs) he's also made us to be in community with each other. God doesn't save us only uh, for ourselves or, or, or for himself. He saves us for one another. In fact, if you think about it, um, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, those who are disciples of Christ, will spend eternity in heaven together. I hope that's not a scary thought to you. Um, we'll be spending eternity together in heaven. See, this life that we're living here is like spring training in baseball, okay? Um, We're practicing how to love one another and strengthening our skills on how to hang out together. (laughs) So a crucial question to ask in our journey with Christ is simply this. How well are we hanging out with other Christ followers here and now? Do we hang out like God? Listen, this isn't an optional component of the Christian life. You can't say, well, listen, uh, Pastor, I'm good at giving. I'm, I'm good at doing things for God. I'm good at showing up on Sunday mornings. But I'm just not into hanging out with other believers. According to 2 Peter 1, verse 4, we have become partakers of the divine nature. We share, in other words, God's life. We base our life together on God's life together. Since the very nature of the Trinity is the shared life, the relationships, the community of love, the essence of our life together is our love for one another. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You and I, together, (laughs) together, we are to reflect the love and unity that exists in the Trinity. That is an amazing thought. An amazing thought. Do you see how crucial it is that we learn how to hang out together well? 
So what I'd like to do is take the rest of the time this morning and to explore three commitments that we must make in order to hang out together well. Three commitments. The first commitment is this. Commit to engage others. It's so easy. It's so easy in our, our world uh, to disengage from the body of Christ. After all, relationships are messy, aren't they? Complicated. Boring, risky. And you might get hurt. People can be so dull and live such petty lives, unlike me, you know? (laughs) I mean, people can do such stupid things, unlike me. I mean, people can be be so mean and cutting and and insensitive, uh, unlike me. I mean, most of us can share stories of disappointments and rejection, or perhaps you know uh, the hurt of losing a, a close friend. I mean, people move in and out of our life so quickly, it's way too fast, and the change, the loss, the grief can be devastating. But I might remind you that God understands and has compassion on the brokenhearted. But see, the problem is so often we respond to Um, hurts in our lives by hurting others. We punish others by disengaging and keeping our distance. Maybe we even make that silent vow. Maybe you've been there. You've made that silent vow that says, I will not be hurt again. I will not open up myself again. And your heart becomes guarded. And what, you might ask, is wrong with that? I mean, that feels safe, doesn't it? That feels normal. But did you forget the goal of the Christian life? Here it is. The goal of the Christian life is to have Christ formed in you. (laughs) Or as Peter reminded us, to become partakers in God's nature. And what is God's nature? Is God a disengaged divine hermit? The high plains drifter? No. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the community of three in one who live eternally in relationship of delight and trust and mutuality and giving and receiving. Hebrews 10.25 says... Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, the early church made it a habit of engaging with each other. They didn't just pop into church for a quick shot in the arm after a rough week on a Sunday morning. No, they did life together. But you might say, yeah... But, but Sutton, what about all those hypocrites in the church? Um, what about all those boring, low-life, highbrow, mediocre, disappointing, lukewarm, unpleasant, judgmental, uneducated, overly educated, into, incompetent, insensitive people in the church? <laughs> yeah, we're all here. And what about them? Who gave you the right to judge them? 
Who gave you the right to condemn those for whom Christ died and then accepted into his family? I mean, don't worry about managing and critiquing everyone else in the church. Just worry about yourself. And I got to tell you, you'll have a full agenda for the rest of your life. (laughs) I know I do. So the first commitment is to change is a change in our heart attitude in which we pray, God, I've been disengaged. I've been disappointed and I've held on to my anger and my, my, my bitterness and my judgmental spirit and, and my hurt. And therefore, I've pulled away. I've seen the sin of everyone else, but now I want to deal with my own sin. So I commit to engage with your people. I will join a small group. I will get real about my spiritual journey. I will find a place to serve. I will engage with the life of this body of believers here at First Free. That's the first commitment. To become engaged. Commitment to be engaged Second commitment of hanging out well together is a commitment to be together. It's a commitment that goes beyond an attitude change. It requires a commitment to share time and space together, a commitment in which we say, listen, I will be with you. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. See, Hanging out together requires devotion to be together. I mean, it's fellowship for fellowship's sake. There's there's no other agenda but to hang out together. Again, this flows from the life of God's Trinitarian love. Um, I mean, think about it. I, I don't know if you've ever asked this question. What was God doing before he created the world? God existed in fellowship of love from all eternity. And think about this, God enjoyed it. When you read the book of Acts, you'll notice how the early churches love just um, being together, sharing time and, and space. I mean, listen to these verses from the story of the early church. They all joined together constantly in prayer, Acts 1.14. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, Acts 2, 1. All the believers were together and had everything in common, Acts 2, 44. The apostles performed many miraculous uh, signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, Acts 5, 12. (laughs) Just like the triune God. They hung out together, and they did it well. They loved being together, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, it generated this explosive energy in the church. Third, third commitment. In order to hang out well, we need to make a commitment to honor one another. The second half of Romans 12.10 says, Honor one another better than yourselves. That's a powerful commandment. (laughs) I mean, think about the way the triune God relates. The members of the Trinity constantly honor one another. 
Within the Trinity, uh, there may be what people call uh, a, a functional order. I mean, we read in Scripture, the Father sends a Son, and the Son glorifies the Father, and the Spirit bears witness to the Son. But I got to tell you, it's clear in Scripture that there isn't a trace of elitism or uh, snobbery or uh, dishonor within the Trinity, right? Nor is there competition or inferiority or, or, or power struggles or any hurt feelings in the triune God. I mean, think about it. Jesus didn't walk around saying, um, hey, look at me, I'm the son of God. No, he said the son of man came not to uh, be served, but to serve. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness. He told his father, not my will, but yours be done. Then on two occasions in the Gospels, God the Father speaks and he says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about this. God the Father doesn't say, hey, after you listen to Jesus, make sure you notice me too. Uh, you know, listen to me. Hey, uh, pay attention to me. He didn't say that. The Holy Spirit comes in, in the name of the Son, bearing witness to Jesus and glorifying Jesus. God exists in a community, three in one, who are in perpetual movement of honoring and preferring and serving one another. Which means when we allow even a whiff of ego or superiority or, 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 or the idea that I'm better than someone else into our hearts, then we quench the flame of Christian community. Whenever I convey the notion that I'm a notch above others in the body, community, it dies. And we don't reflect the life of our triune God. Here is one, I want to suggest one key to a Trinitarian spirituality. An essential key here. We have to ruthlessly eliminate self-sins from our life. The self-sins of self-pride and selfish ambition. The Bible says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. When selfish ambition or vain conceit enters our hearts, we separate ourselves from others because, <laughs> well, they're just not on our level, right? But our goal here... Our goal as Christ followers is to reflect and to live the life of the triune God so that snobbery and arrogance of every form must be rooted out from our hearts. Honoring means, my honoring means uh, that I root out any form of elitism in my heart. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Honoring you means that I don't care if I get the credit, uh, if you get the credit or, or the glory, and I don't. Honoring you takes no offense. Honoring points away from me and us to you and them. It's amazing what people can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. 
Our triune God lives as a happy, delighted community together in a community of love. God is in himself a sweet society. And when we hang out together well, we reflect that sweet society. We reflect the life and love of the triune God. So here's my one question for each one of you this morning. My one challenge. How well are you doing? How well are you doing reflecting the love that flows from the triune God? Are you in community? Have you decided you'll engage (laughs) or pull back? Have you decided that you're going to do life together with a, a small group? Have you made that commitment? Have you made that commitment to honor others above yourself? Since God is a community of love, it's awfully hard to draw closer to God without some kind of community in your life, friends. I got to tell you that. Yes, maybe hanging out with other Christians in community, it's hard, yes, and it's time-consuming, yes. But it's only in community where you're going to learn to yield the right of way, to, to honor others, to love other people. Only in community. And when you do the hard work of being in and staying in community, you actually learn, I got to tell you, a lot about the humility and self-sacrificing nature of God. It's in community that you'll discover the Trinity. Let's pray. Father God, Jesus the Son God, the Holy Spirit, your example of how you hang out together is incredible. Forgive us of those times when we have said no to that idea of imitating you, of loving others the way that you love each other. Triune God, we come this morning and we seek you. We seek to reflect you in our life together as your church, as your people. Move in us, change us. Christ, would you be formed in each one of us. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.